0: Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.
1: I love the smell of my pump in the morning.
0: The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, Jay Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J-Paul Jackson here, your host this week with my co-host, good friend, director of marketing for Excel Boats and Mud Buddy Motors, Jeffrey Whitlock, coming to us from Salt Lake City, Utah. How's it going, brother?
2: It's going well. I, uh, I'm pretty excited to be back on the X today with you, J-Paul. Any chance uh, to have my beautiful voice shown to the whole world is a win for me. So, you know, you're <laughs> welcome to the rest of you out there.
0: <laughs> hey man you were looking good yesterday though on the uh shallow water adventures looks like you and keith finally got into the fish a little bit
2: all right listen i gotta i gotta i have a story i have news on this uh, so keith and i for those of you who listen we uh we do our weekly live show um we've been trying to get out uh do a little fishing on our uh on our pro hull with our uh hdr 5000 on it uh because we can get into some really skinny waters we do some good fishing out there find some really great stuff but I have noticed that I am like full-on kryptonite to fish this season. So between that and the weather, like we can only sneak out for short amounts of time before the next storm rolls in. So, so we rush out, we try and fish, we cast out, and it's just been nothing. And yesterday we broke the streak, um, and we caught some serious fish. It was really, really um, – it was like a change. You know, It was like refreshing is really what it was.
0: Amen. Me and Jeremy, we hadn't been doing too good there either. The, the weather's totally screwed us up. Uh, I think that a lot of folks enjoyed uh, catch and release Tuesday with the installation of the Millennium products. I know we got a lot of feedback, but I'm excited. We're headed to Mobile next week and uh, gonna get on the water. Mobile Bay
2: (laughs) Um, I I can't even I have a hard time expressing how jealous I am right in this (laughs) moment in particular as the rain falls right out my window that you guys are going to be in in Mobile Bay man I wish I was going to be there you
0: know you gotta you gotta give me some kind of challenge as I recall last year while I was there it was shark week and on the last day you're like hey it's shark week you gotta catch a shark and we
2: did (laughs) that's right you did I forgot about that that was such a cool video you guys pulled that shark right out of there like, in, in five minutes, I was like, hey, I need a shark. Get me a shark right now. And you did. That, that's impressive. I forgot about that.
0: I think that me and Jeffrey need to have, I mean, me and Jeremy need to have a shark catching contest. I'm pretty sure I'll beat him at that one.
2: Oh, for sure. No, yeah. that, would be, that would be good. I'm going to have to look into that. Put down. Right. Oh, put something down. When is shark? I need to find out when actual shark week is. Oh, it's in July. But I'll be back
0: for shark week, too. You know, I try to go at least once in June, once in July, and once in August, just. Man, the fishing down there, particularly the later in the summer, it gets really hot, but the blackfish or the triple tail as they call them locally are so awesome to sight fish for and so much fun to catch. So great to eat.
2: Okay, I'm going to hold right here. We're getting some wind noise. Are you outside, Dan? Dan. Okay.
0: Your wind noise real loud.
2: Yes, that oh. is over.
0: Uh, we're fixing to bring you in, so just be patient. Um, yeah, man, I, I tell you, the blackfish are so good to eat, and the later in the summer it gets, the easier it is to sight fish for them, but we're going next week because snapper season opens, so we're actually going to spend a day um, out uh, deep sea fishing as well. We're not just going to stay in the bay there uh, by Gillyard Island, but I think one day uh, we going to go out with our buddy Jake Marcus and another friend of his, Eric Crocker, and take uh, Dexter and Rod out and see if we can't catch some red snapper as well.
2: Yes. Um, So going
0: to be a lot of traveling. Uh, Next week I'm in Mobile. Um, The week after that I think I'm up in Somerset, Kentucky. Just last week I was uh, in St. Louis and had the honor and the privilege to spend uh, a little bit of an afternoon with our guest today. And I'm really excited to introduce you to him too. He's a really good friend of mine, Jeffrey. Um, today, we've got joining us from, actually, he's probably coming to us from Lake of the Ozarks today, is lake house, but we've got my good friend and outdoor legend in the upper Midwest, uh, Mr. Dan Brothers. Dan, how you doing, buddy?
1: Buddy, I couldn't be any better. It, it's a beautiful day up here in the, in the Midwest coast. Uh, had to put on a long sleeve shirt, believe it or not, a front went through and we got a north wind blowing.
0: Wow. Well, it's still hot here, but it's not in the 90s like it was. But it's cool and rainy out there in West Jordan, Utah, Jeffrey.
2: No, it is. Actually, it's a little bit warmer today. We're almost at 70 degrees today, so that's pretty nice. But it is is a little rainy and cloudy out there. But it – what was it? It was like 40 degrees just a couple days ago, so, you know, we're – we're like, uh, you know you know those uh, little desk things? This is this is going to be a hard visual. Sorry, I might have to cut this out. Um, you know, and the, there's like those four balls, and you swing one back and forth, and it hits the balls and goes. That's like, like our Like perpetual motion, yeah. Yeah, perpetual motion. That's what it is. That's what our weather is like right now. We're just swinging back and forth. It's tough. It's really <laughs> tough.
0: can you relate to that swinging back and forth in the wind
2: Yes. (laughs) you know all I really want is a little warm weather I really just want to sit at the pool for like 10 gd minutes that's all I really want in my life
0: well buddy I I got news for you Uh, I just looked it looks like the 10th 11th and 12th of July Um, I'm going back to ICAST and uh, fixing to talk to Glenn about it but my goal is to, to have you go to Orlando, where you can spend a little bit of time in the Florida sun. All
2: right. Do you remember when uh, we finally, they finally let me out of the office and we went to uh, Louisville Catfish Conference? Yeah, we went sure. to Catfish Conference. You know that town has never recovered from when <laughs> I was there. So you know, watch out, Florida. That's all I have to say. If <laughs> they let me out of here again,
0: <laughs> I-, I vaguely remember that evening, but we had a blast while we were there. And, uh, Dan, I got to hook you and Jer- Jeffrey up to. Uh, he loves to fish. We need to come visit you there on the Midwest Coast. So are you at the lake right
1: now? I'm at the lake right now. I just got done claiming crappie. I had a ham and cheese sandwich and put my feet up once I figured out how to talk to you guys.
2: Oh, that sounds <laughs> like the best day ever. I would I could I could definitely go for a crappie and B a ham sandwich right about now.
0: Amen. Amen. So, for all you guys out there listening, uh, you know, we try to have different people from the outdoor world visit with us as often as possible. I got to give you, Jeffrey, and all of our listeners a little bit of background on Dan. Now, uh, Dan's son, Steve Brothers, actually is one of my very best friends in the world. We met over 30 years ago on the campus of the University of Missouri. He's a Mizzou grad, just like I am. And it was uh, in the spring, I don't know, maybe 1988, 87, somewhere around in there. And I was walking across campus going to class in camouflage because I'd been out turkey hunting that morning. And I'd actually killed a turkey and I didn't realize when I threw it over my shoulder carrying it out, I'd headshot it. Blood had ran all down the back leg of my right pant leg. But uh, I'm walking across the quadrangle there by Stewart Hall where we had classes together. when. Steve walks to him and says, hey, man, looks like you got one this morning. And I'm like, what? He's like, looks like you killed a turkey. I looked down at the blood on my pants because I hadn't bothered to change. I'd just taken the bird back to my apartment, dressed it, and then headed straight, to stuffed it in the fridge and headed straight to class. And uh, so that was the first time we met and we got to talking about turkey hunting. And, and we actually went back hunting together the next morning. I took him out to the same public place where I'd killed that bird uh, since I couldn't kill another one the next morning and we became best friends, and still talk regularly, hunt together whenever we can to this day, but a little while after that, Steve, he'd always told me about his father, who was also one of his best friends, his mentor, and his idol, and uh, I got to meet Dan, and I think Dan and I are probably just as good of friends just about as me and Steve. We've had a friendship that's lasted too, but Dan truly is a legend in the outdoor world started out with LaSalle group advertising, uh, companies like Winchester, Mossy Oak, some of the great old Mossy Oak ads that I've still got some old issues of field and stream and outdoor life from the eighties were done by Dan and his creative people. And, uh, you know, I was blown away the first time I ever went to his duck camp pictures on the wall of him fishing with Roland Martin and Bill Dance and hunting with all these other famous folks. And, uh, yeah, just really an amazing individual, and so we're really glad to have you here uh, together today, Dan.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Jay Paul, and you know, you uh, you prove the fact that as long as you have a budget, you'll always have friends. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll see that as you'll see that as you age, my friend. You know, I I just got uh, somebody somebody told me one time here not too long ago. I was talking, telling them what to do with their duck property. And they said, well, you know, everybody's a duck expert. And I said, well, how many people do you know that can tell you they seriously, seriously been chasing them for 65 years? And because uh, when I was 10 years old, I shot my first duck on Lake Wapello in a big old wooden blind that was bigger than the first house that I had. So I've been doing this a long time. And and you're right, I was blessed in the industry. I got to hunt from coast to coast and in many different countries. I got to see this evolution that's going on as, to get us to where we are now with our waterfowling, and it's been a pretty amazing career and a pretty amazing life. And if the good Lord took me tomorrow, about all I can say is thank you.
0: Amen. That's pretty cool to be able to say that as well.
1: Yeah we've we've had some we've had some good times out there, buddy. And uh, you know I've been thinking about you guys. I don't know why this crossed my mind thinking about your boats and motors. You know we have got a horrific storm situation going on here now where it rains every other day. We've had so many tornadoes and a lot of damage, but the big issue is the rivers are up and out of their banks. Our lakes are up at maximum flood stage. I just saw a photo. I don't know if you're familiar with Truman Lake, uh, but it is so high right now they can't get underneath some of the bridges. There's a bridge called a mile long bridge, and there's a picture of a guy standing in his bass boat, and he can barely duck under that bridge. You can't get under it with a pontoon boat. We've got so much water. We've got so much water in places there has never been water before, and I wish the rescue people up here would take a look at XL boats and, and your Mud Buddy Motors and really look and see. They need something like that. They're all tuned in to deep water rescue, but they don't have any way to get back into some of these places with some of the disasters that are happening right now.
0: You know, you're not going to believe this. And, Jeffrey, I promise you this is true. This wasn't cute or anything like this. I actually got a call this morning from um, a guy wanting to inquire about who he needed to talk to with the company to get a shallow water uh, XLF4 and a Mud Buddy. They had, done a, uh, they had done a search and rescue deal somewhere down in Louisiana. And they'd actually borrowed one of our boats because all they had were these, most of the the rescue squad boats had twin outboards, you know, and they couldn't get anywhere. And then, you know, Craig Swan or Jeffrey, who follows uh, catch and release and shallow water regularly. Now Craig's cat fisherman does a lot of hand grabbing down uh, in Mississippi out of a Bay Pro 203. Mm -hmm. They used his Bay Pro 203 over the weekend for a body recovery. And then there's a group down there that uh, yesterday he called me about, hey, what about an Excel boat for search and rescue, both a, a open floor plan like the Bay Pro and maybe a 4 model. Uh-huh. So, Dan, it's really coincidental that you bring that up because it's a fact. I've had two calls in the last 48 hours just on that subject matter.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I hope they wake up, Jay Paul. You know, the Mississippi River, You talk to the old-timers up here, and they'll tell you that the river floods every year up in Iowa and Missouri, Illinois. And the, the difference is, 100 years ago, it would flood 10 miles wide and an inch deep. Now, it floods about a mile wide and 10 foot deep. But water gets up into places because of the levee systems. There's always breaches in the levee. There's always water that builds. You get all this rain. The problem is you get the rain behind the levee, and it can't drain back into the river. So it creates a flood on each side of a levee, and the levee does no good whatsoever. And there's just no way to get around. No, nobody up here, because we don't have water to hunt like you all do in the south, or, or even the fish. We have very little shallow water, stumpy, backwater, swampy type stuff. And, you know, the, the first mud motor I ever saw was out of Cheyenne Bottoms, and I was just overwhelmed by it. But And that was years and years ago. But I'm telling you what, it needs to catch on up here among these people that need to get around when this water gets the way it it gets. And it's getting to be where you can almost set your clock by three out of 10 years. We're going to have a major flood catastrophe of some sort. It may not be as bad as this one, but it's going to be bad. And and all these people in that business uh, better be thinking about how you're going to get around.
2: Yeah. I agree. uh, And we really try and work with um, those who do work in in search and rescue as much as we can. Uh, We have a really great um, prop exchange program that we do with anybody that is helping with search and rescue. We've got some crazy stories of people uh, in their search and rescue and the things that they've hit and how well these boats have survived. I mean, these motors and their props are unreal. In fact, I was talking with a guy who, in fact, I have the prop in my uh in my office now because we he sent it back to us and he uh was motoring along doing some rescue and he hit a propane tank with the prop and it it popped it exploded and i mean it threw him through that boat but uh is that of the cajun Navy guys he i don't think he's part of the, of them in particular but we also have worked with with them quite a bit yes. uh, but man it, it, all all year it seems like we have just had had these flood problems and these boats really are outstanding there isn't anything better that you can use than than one of these tank-like f4s
1: well up here yeah. where, where we recreate so heavy you know jimmy carter built all these reservoirs for us we got table rock and bull shoals and truman and Lake of the ozarks and on and on and on and even law enforcement uh, you know they need some kind of a water vehicle that'll get them around on in all conditions and, you know, I think it's kind of funny. I saw people try airboats and those things just didn't make it. They, they came and went so fast. It was ridiculous because you can't control them. And not only that, they're so loud, they scare everybody away for two miles. But, yeah. uh, you know, a shallow water rig uh, in a situation for law enforcement emergency makes an awful lot of sense.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it does. We need to we're going to continue to continue to explore that because we are seeing these, you know, we've had a hundred year flood every year for the last eight years here in West Tennessee, it seems like. And, uh, and you know, people that are regulars listening to the OnDX podcast, damn, we talk about this pretty much on every episode because it doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, in Salt Lake City there, you know, the Great Salt Lake has been in this huge drought. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's a ton of water out there, which they welcome it. For us, we haven't had the drought problems. We've had too much water, and this year it's even greater. I made the observation a couple weeks ago on the show that in the last eight years, we have had three of the all-time highest floods ever recorded on the Mississippi River uh, at Carothersville, Missouri, which is the gauge we go by in this area. The all-time biggest was in May of 2011, and January of 2016 we had number three, And then in February of 2019, just this year, we had number four. And even more remarkable, I was looking at my weather app earlier today. Uh, We are still above flood stage. We have been since last October almost nonstop. And the Mississippi's back on the rise here, anticipated to crest June the 7th, if nothing else occurs, because they only take in the forecast into account the, what's happened in the last 48 and expected in the next 48.
1: Well, and that's what nobody really knows because they're expecting rain almost every other day for the entire forecast period uh, upriver as well as way out in Montana. You know, the Missouri River flows in to the Mississippi just north of St. Louis. It's all over and out of its banks at, at 93 level almost. And they're still getting snow in Montana. So uh, all that's yet to come to join the Mississippi before it gets down to you all. The, and I, I saw a statistic this morning, only 50% of the corn crop is planted in this country. So th- that's pretty scary this time of the year. Here it is, 1st of June, and uh, and and 50% of the corn crop. Plus, I don't know how much corn will not be planted. There, The duck clubs in St. Charles County, and Jay Paul, you know how many of them they are. You visited a lot of them. There's more duck clubs per square there's more duck clubs per square acre in St. Charles County than anywhere else in the United States, private duck clubs. They're, they're saying they're going to be underwater until at least the middle of July. So there'll be no crops this year. <laughs> you know, that's probably good news to the boys in the Flyway Federation down there in uh, Louisiana. Missouri won't have any corn, so they ought to be so covered up with mallards they can kill them with tennis rackets. <laughs> yeah, and you ought to be buying buckwheat futures yeah you're not kidding if you see what the price of buckwheat is right now and and even it you know and i, I just give this advice to anybody that's farming for ducks you better buy it now because when the water does go off there's going to be a big scramble and everybody's going to be trying to buy it and it's just not going to be available
0: yeah yeah that is great advice yeah because a lot of our guys most of our listeners are our duck hunters and, and you're exactly right i know that we're already purchasing buckwheat and golden millet for the two clubs down in the boot hill, luckily there by Slough, where we're at, we can control our water and we are not affected by the river. And I think that we're gonna see, we had a terrible year last year, but if the Mississippi will get back in its banks, I think that you're dead on right from the middle zone south, we should see some incredible, middle zone of Missouri all the way down through uh, West Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Arkansas, Louisiana, all the way down to the gulf we should see some really good hunting um yeah it you know, comes back
1: retracts you're right weather permitting and the ducks move like they're supposed to move because you know people think of ducks moving north and south only but they'll move east and west too uh I've, I've been studying the band recovery numbers and it's pretty amazing how far west uh it has shifted you know oklahoma's killing more ducks than they ever did the panhandle of texas So depending upon the conditions, those those ducks know and they will move uh, east and west. Now, the other thing, you know, the famous area up there on the Cheriton River bottoms around Grand Pass, I know you're familiar with it, Jay Paul, up where Habitat Flats is, uh, they're all underwater now. And they weren't underwater before, but the Missouri River has backed up Cheriton and the Grand. So that whole part of central Missouri, which has become the Golden Triangle, they call it, uh, is going to suffer this year as far as having duck feed.
0: What about Eagle Bluffs? What's it look like outside? Eagle Bluffs,
1: it, it, they're flat underwater. They're absolutely flooded right now. Wow. There's, there's no hope. And until that river goes down, they, they can't even begin to think about doing anything. So I'm telling you it's bleak. And, and y'all, you know, if, if the water were to come off quick enough, if you get that water off of there in the next two weeks, the one thing the river does is it brings in a lot of natural seeds, real great waterfowl food that will come up on its own. But if that water stays on there too long, um, it, it, we're not going to have any natural feed. So that's what'll, that's what'll be a real disaster for waterfowl. And I don't know what it'll mean just for duck hunters, uh, but what's it going to mean for the ducks going south and then when they come back north uh, at the stopover places where they feed, it's just not going to be there.
0: Yeah, I agree. That That's a pretty interesting observation. So I, I've got a question for you. You just brought up Oklahoma and the Central Flyway. What do you think has contributed to the migration? Uh, I I know that there are a lot of people who firmly believe, and I think it's even been documented now, that the Mississippi Flyway has lost a percentage of its migration to the Central Flyway. What do you think has precipitated that, Dan?
1: Well, I, I think there's an evolution going on. Jay Paul, I think it started some time back, and uh, there's there's one word that I use. I'm convinced of it, and I'll and I'll tell you my reasoning behind it. But the word I use is pressure, and it's like a friend of mine said. He's a little fat boy, and he said if every time you went to the refrigerator and opened the door, a fist came out, and slapped you in the face, and killed your sister, you'd get pretty skinny. And uh, these ducks, they're evolving. And you, you know, when I went to Canada, Jay Paul, in the '60s. There was only water to hunt. There wasn't near as much agriculture. And we hunted them, sure. I mean, the, the, a week after they were flying, the season came in and, and they were just so dumb. It was ridiculous. And that's why everybody went to Canada. Well, along comes agriculture, up, moved way up north up there with the price of grain. They drained all the all the swamp ground that they could possibly drain. And now you hunt dry. You don't hunt water in Canada. And we have layout boats, layout blinds. We have $150 acrylic calls. We have spinning wing decoys. We're on and on and on. We have three-and-a-half-inch guns. I mean, it's endless. And those poor ducks get pounded so hard from the minute they can fly to the minute that they get to southern Missouri uh, th- that the pressure has caused them to change. It's made them more nocturnal. Uh, our duck clubs, I've been hunting the duck club in St. Charles County since 1975. And it used to be, you'd laugh, the big joke was the, the ducks wore Rolexes. And right at shooting time, they'd come flying in and almost knock your head off when you're walking back down the levee. Now they don't come till if shooting hours are out at 440, they're not coming till 530. And they feed at night, and they will not fly over a cornfield during the day unless you got a 30-mile-an-hour northwest wind or it's spitting sleet or snow or something. That's different. But on the normal day, when a guy used to be able to go out and shoot him a few ducks and go to work, that just doesn't, hasn't happened now in several years in all that St. Charles County flooded corn. So we're, we're evolving these ducks. And it's caused me to come up with another quote that I use on my radio show a lot. Hunting is better where the people ain't. You get out in Oklahoma, you get out in Kansas, and you find a spot where the duck's been in there for four or five or six days and nobody bothering them. Well, you can have yourself a pretty successful hunt. But if you get down around these WMAs in Arkansas and you start hunting them ducks that are pounded every day and day and day and they just have trouble finding a place to go loaf, they're awful difficult to hunt. So something's going to have to be done. I don't know what it is. I'm not. uh, I'm not going to forecast any changes in seasons or limits or dates or lengths or anything. I'll leave that to the feds. But these ducks are are evolving. They're almost. I'm almost equating them, Jay Paul, to coyotes.
0: Yeah, you talk about nocturnal and hard to kill, educated. Yep. That's a very good analogy.
2: I I was going to say that. That's a really great analogy.
0: I'm telling you, he's smarter than he looks, Jeffrey.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know,
1: it's, it's, it's just scary. It's difficult now. It's become the sport of kings around us unless you want to spend thousands of dollars. You know, when I was a kid in southeast Missouri, I lived in Popper Bluff for some time, not too far from your stomping grounds. And we'd get some rain in the fall, and the ditches would run over the little, you know, little river drainage district there, and you could find your field with some ducks sitting in it, and you can go out and hunt them. And nobody cared. Nobody asked you. Everybody had a john boat with a 9-9 that they'd bolt on, and they'd go down the ditch. Anymore, you can't go jumping fences and hunting. And the ducks just don't do that anymore. They refuge up. You know, We, when I first started hunting, there was a few federal refuges around now we got state refuges and not only do we have state refuges but like eagle bluffs has been leaving more and more corn for the ducks in the refuge so we're causing that bird to to be a different critter than we all started hunting several years back
2: i think that is absolutely true i think we noticed that a lot here in utah as well um just right down to the fact that the the weather patterns seem to have changed over the last decade um our our public land tends to shrink so uh, like unless you are really able to get out somewhere far somewhere really isolated you're going to be hunting the same place as a lot of a lot of other people you're always elbowing for room and I think you're absolutely right these ducks get pounded day in day out and our season here is so long that a casual hunt is no longer no longer a thing to run out real quick now you got to have a plan
1: you, Jeff, you're so right, and you mentioned weather patterns, and that's something I keep copious records, and uh you know we we've had seasons where we were froze up in Thanksgiving, and our duck season was over and And you know another thing people are doing now, everybody's got bubblers and ice eaters and everything else to keep water open and keep the ducks huddled up up here. They didn't have that back in those days. But what I've noticed by just looking at my records, the seasons have shifted. Now, I don't believe in global warming, but I'm telling you what it is warmer later in the fall. And it's colder later in the spring than, than it has been. And, and you can talk to people in Louisiana where all the blue-winged teal go, and they're hanging out down there longer than they ever did before they start back north. And that's because of this shift in this weather pattern. And I've never heard a weatherman, a meteorologist anywhere, talk about it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, we, we've been talking about it this way, that our winter is lasting further into the spring than it ever has, and it will still be warm in November.
1: Yes. Yes, and I think that's nationwide. I don't think it's just here in the Mississippi uh, and Central Flyway.
0: No, I agree. No, I agree with you totally. And I think that it's changed. You know, the, the migration is getting later and later uh, for the birds because of that as well. Um, yeah, we, we saw birds further south later this winter than I'm used to seeing them. And it was more noticeable because we didn't have water where you could see them, you know, areas that were flooded, even though these birds were were very dispersed. Um, The one thing that you can count on as far as the weather goes uh, and the Mississippi River that I have seen in my 50 years, everything goes in cycles. And at some point, it's going to dry up, and it will, you know, we'll have – a drought again, but for right now, it is wet, wet, wet. As far as cycles in the weather itself, I, I'm i not sure that I don't believe in global warming. I'm not, I don't, I'm uncertain about it, you know? I know there are the guys like you that don't believe in it at all. There are guys that absolutely think it's certain. I, I'm in the middle, I don't know. What I do know is this, the weather goes in cycles as well. It's going to be very interesting to see if we have weather patterns shift in the future where we're getting winter earlier. You know, when I was a kid, uh, of course, we hardly ever get snow here in the south. But it seems like every winter in somewhere around Christmas time, usually right afterward, we could count on snow. That's not happening now. We usually get our snow if we're going to get it in late January, February. the The worst snows we've had in the last 10 years have all been in March. I'll be interested to see if the pattern shifts again, or maybe global warming is real. I don't
2: know. Well, and whether it is or not, I mean, it's it's not hard to see that there are, there are shifts. And, and global warming, I you know, I I don't know, but climate change, it's hard to say that the climate isn't changing in in some way, or is affected, whether it's secular or or not. But to to me, I feel like there's got to be some way. And I know this is probably isn't worth getting into. It's such a it's such a topic. But of some some way of, of being able to adjust our seasons, um, uh, on our hunts to to affect these. I mean, we need we need a better way because.
0: Well, I think worried. that's particularly true in our area where Dan and I are. You know, you got a hundred and seven day season out there in the Pacific Flyway, so you pretty much cover the gamut of it. But I know you're talking more in generality. Generality, yes. Because you deal with people just like me and Dan, all over the country, and you and I have guys from. Atlantic Flyway, the Central Flyway, the Mississippi Flyway on. And, you know, you're right. I don't know how it's going to be addressed. The pressure issue, um, you know, we've already we got a 60-day season here, and that's it. Now that let us go to the end of January. I don't think we'll ever get into February because of uh, parent you know, mating uh, and affecting nesting. But it, biologists today have a heck of a lot on their plate and a lot to think about.
2: No doubt.
1: Well, they do. And the other problem with the biologists that I talk to, I interview some, you know, every month I'm interviewing a, a biologist, not necessarily a waterfowl biologist, but, you know, they're also controlled in some states by what the commission uh, directs them. And the commission sometimes is controlled by politics. And the politics that get involved through the Department of Tourism and the like. So all those are contributing factors to seasons and lengths and dates. Now, With waterfowl, the feds have got a big say, as you know. They come in and they give you guidelines. Each state gets guidelines. And in a way, I like that. In a way, I don't like it. You know, there is an association of the Mississippi Flyway, and those guys meet. But I wish we could get together a little bit more. I wish we could do a little bit more research. And I wish we could find out, you know, hunters that I talk to, I've asked them a lot of times, do you want, and here's an interesting topic for you guys to toss around in your brains. Do you want quality hunting or do you want quantity hunting? Now, area managers I talk to in Missouri that run the public hunting grounds, their whole goal, their commission dictates that they do quantity hunting, it means how many people can they get out on a given day and they consider that successful versus quality. And quality means you're going to be able to shoot a limit or shoot your goal, whatever you think your goal is, or, or see amount of, amount of birds working. Maybe you can't call them in, maybe you can't get them. But you really are going to have to make a decision because there's two different kinds of management. Now, me, myself, I prefer a quality hunt, and I'm biased because I get to go every day if I want to. I can hunt 60 days. I'm mobile. I can go out to Salt Lake, and I can hunt, you know, another 60 days if I'd like. But I would rather have a quality hunt than to be able to just go every day. And you you got to look at the average guy and find out what he wants. He gets some time off. He gets vacation. He gets a Thanksgiving break. And what kind of hunting is he looking for? Well, I can guarantee you, in the state of Missouri, they will offer him opportunities that they won't guarantee him any kind of quality hunting.
0: Yep, yeah, you're dead on. That's you know, I, I'll tell you what. For those out there listening, uh, we're we're gonna win. Th- this obviously will be posted the podcast on uh, our Excel Boats Facebook page, social media. Uh, I'd love to hear some people weigh in, see what they think you know, get other people's opinions, our listeners, on this topic, and and do you prefer quantity, or do you prefer quality, and what are your thoughts on the way that the the duck seasons, that we have the framework for them each year, you know?
1: You're dead on, Jay Paul, that's a great idea, you know, uh, as a guy that's hunted both public and managed several different private properties, as you know, the one property I managed uh, we hunted it Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I could almost guarantee you a good hunt uh, when when the birds were in the area, you know, not year-round certainly, but, uh, and, you know, and most people can't do that. Most people want to be able to go, so you, you kind of got to make a decision, but some, you know, some of these states they, in, in their management areas, you have to quit hunting at one o'clock. Others, you can hunt all day. Others hunt uh, it's something Arkansas always did it just grinded on me when they shoot the refuge the last couple of days I just hate that I just think that's unfair and uh, but that's personal once again and I think we really need to survey these people spending all this money and find out what they're looking for and see if we can't accommodate it a little bit more through modern management
0: yeah,
2: yeah that's a great idea
0: I would agree too you know what's crazy it always impresses me just that the, the body of knowledge and I'm not saying this to patronize you or anything Dan I'm being totally sincere the body of knowledge that you bring you know in your experience from the outdoors and the reason that I say that is because you know we've been rocking and rolling here for about 35 or 40 minutes now and yeah we generally try to I try to cut the podcast off at about 25 or 30 to keep everybody listening but this has been so interesting and the sad part is uh I think we're gonna to have to have another follow-up right away, like next week, with you back as a return guest and make this a two part series. Cause the sad thing is I was telling uh some of the guys about you coming on this week and having you, you know, I wanted to talk to you about fishing. I wanted to hear some of your stories from, you know, the the days when ad agencies truly really were like, you know, the T V series Mad Men. And uh Because I've heard (laughs) so.
2: No, that's exactly right. That's why I really wanted to jump on this podcast. I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of great stories there that I'm dying to hear. Hey, this guy, I will tell you this,
0: Jeffrey. This is totally off subject of duck hunting and management. We'll get back on it. I'm not going to run us down a rabbit trail. (laughs) But here's how diverse Dan is. This is the guy that was responsible for the ad campaign, not an outdoor ad campaign either. uh, That launched York Peppermint Patties. The uh, I love new york peppermint patty it's responsible for getting them on airplanes to begin with in the little lunch boxes that you used to get when you know there still was twa and those old airlines uh york peppermint patties but and i bring that up just because that is a good example of how diverse my buddy dan is (laughs) but you know all you guys that have been listening today we're gonna we're gonna bring him back right away next week if you'll come back dan yeah but i want you guys to uh please check out the link to this on the excel boats facebook page if you found this because you're a subscriber through the itunes store um and i really jeffrey and I and Dan we'd really like to hear your thoughts
2: absolutely so take it take a look down below wherever you are uh, wherever you downloaded this podcast look down below there'll be a link to a survey um, just a few questions we'd love for you to fill that out uh, and help us out join this discussion even put if you're on the if you're on Facebook with this uh, podcast drop us a line we definitely want to hear your thoughts on this idea I, I definitely think it's worth talking more more about even even right down to uh, uh all of that pressure the the climate pressure and overhunting all of the all of those ideas uh, we'd love to hear all of your feedback let's start a conversation on this and i love the idea of uh continuing on next week
0: yeah and man i'm impressed i'm gonna start calling you techno man you need a big OT t on jeffrey you're gonna put a survey
2: on i'm gonna put a survey on this is-
0: Man, it's great having you with us today. Next time, I also want to hear your thoughts on Asian carp and what they're doing to fishing, too. I don't know how much they're affecting or if they are at all, uh, you know, areas like Truman and Lake of the Ozarks that you fish. I I don't think that they are yet, but I know you also well, fish. Up uh, your, uh,
1: Jay Paul, I'll give you the quick answer announce the number sixes. <laughs> I know what you mean right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Highly illegal, but not immoral. Hey Amen. Shotgun can do a whole lot to an Asian carp. That's a good, good point. Right? Well, man, we got to wrap this up here. Uh, we've ran way over on your time, Dan. I'm sorry, but I know you've got a, a busy, busy schedule of, of hunting and fishing and stuff, But or fishing this time of year. But uh, let's plan on doing this again next Thursday. Uh, same time, same place. If you're available, would you come back with us?
1: Well, absolutely, and in the meantime, if anybody is within listening range of KTRS, the Big 550 in St. Louis on Sunday nights from 7 to 9, we broadcast live and talk about hunting and fishing and the sundry items, and uh, I love to have people listen in. Well, what's the name of that show? Let's give it a good plug while we're doing it. The Outdoors Dan Show.
0: The Outdoors Dan Show.
1: Yes, sir, and there's two Dans. I have a co-host who is in Iowa, and broadcast out of Iowa, and uh, of course I'm in St. Louis and represent Missouri and that market. And you know, we one of our taglines is "We ain't the experts; we just do it a lot."
0: <laughs> I right The Big Five, man, it's been years since I've listened to the Big Five Fifty. That is brings back memories, uh, in and of itself, buddy. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it, guys. Dan Brothers, if you are uh, within listening area of St. Louis from 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday nights, the Outdoor Dan Show. I can't wait to have you back on with us again. Uh, Jeffrey, before we go, you got anything, brother?
2: I really don't. Everybody just get out there, and I, I say that I don't, and then I continue to talk. That's brilliant of me. Um, actually, I do want to say for um, all of you who are um, Mud Buddy Motors fans right now, uh, June is what, Tomorrow. Um, and that is that officially kicks off the busy season. So if you are at all thinking of getting your motor, now is the time. I can't say it enough. I can't, I can't push it hard enough that all these guys they wait right up until August. and think, oh, I'm gonna get my motor, and you're gonna be backed up. So if you, you want a motor now is the time. So don't, don't forget that. That's just I, that's my uh, service announcement, my PSA to everybody out there. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Amen, buddy, thank party. you. They're my parting shot for you, J-Paul, and you are included in that, J-Paul.
0: Hey, Dan, I got one more question for you. I hear the wind noise, so I know we still got you. Yes, sir. Every guest that we have on that's a duck hunter, we have a standard ending question. Damn it, I forgot this earlier. I'm sorry, folks. I know I said I was going to stop, and I keep rambling on. Did that with Catch and Release Tuesday as well. Um, but So the question is this, Dan. Me and you were hunting together. I- I'm kind of hungry, you got your back turned, on, look in your blind bag and steal a snack. What am I going to find?
1: Probably bologna and cheese.
2: Good answer. Yes, that is the best one yet. <laughs> bologna and cheese. That's like an actual something. Bologna and cheese. Got to have mustard.
1: Bologna and cheese on white bread. Sorry. Sorry. You know, Jeff, well, you. You know I'll, I'll leave you with this about me. You know a lot of people that have got a lot of different reasons why they selected a higher education school to go to. I selected Arkansas State College in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and only you will know why.
0: I know exactly why. It's now Arkansas State University. It's in Jonesboro, right in the heart of the Mississippi Flyway. Some Everybody thinks of Stuttgart, Arkansas. Now, nah, man, that the Cache River, the Langill River. Uh, the all Black those River. Old, black grubs, the Black River. Oh, yeah, the Black River. Dave Donaldson, and then you got uh, – Shiree Bay, Rainy Break also, man. Great public hunting, great private hunting. I know exactly and, what Jose and, states.
1: kill a bunch and of Before ducks. we go real quick, right now, I just talked to a friend of mine from Beach Grove who said you can flip a critter in the root wads on the, on the Black River and catch some of the biggest Kentuckys you've ever seen in your life right now because the water's up in all them root wads. So that'd be a place to float that Excel boat and go flipping some critters.
0: Yes, sir, man. I love catching spotted bass. <laughs> yeah. You got, I know where I'm headed this weekend. before I get <laughs> to
1: go. We <laughs> Well, I know, put, but, put in there. I just had a peach orchard right in the Donaldson and just, you can just go up river and y'all, you, you know, you always go up forever in case you run out of gas in that mud buddy. And then you can float back
2: down, you float on back down. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And and I would, I'll tell you a story sometime about that. I learned the hard way about launching and going down river, but uh, that's for another day. You're dead on. That's another. That's right up there as far as tips go with don't eat yellow snow and don't (laughs) screw with the redhead. Don't launch and go down river. Always launch and go up river. Amen, brother. Great tip of the day. All right, guys. Man, thank you so much. We're going to do it again next week. Uh, On behalf of our guest and brothers, my illustrious uh, co-host, Jeffrey Whitlock, I'm J. Paul Jackson, thanking you for turning in this edition of the Excel Boats on the X-Podcast. I'm
1: my Buddy Moe.